Canada recently turned those tools on brains dealing with depression and collected what's known as resting state brain scans of participants. In these experiments, participants are brought into the lab, loaded into an MRI, and told to, well, do nothing. The scan isn't looking for a particular area of the brain that lights up when a participant completes an activity. It's looking to create an overall map of how the participant's brain works. The resting state scan identifies regions of the brain that tend to light up at the same time. The more strongly those areas correlate, the more strongly connected they're believed to be. The scientists believe it's the differing patterns of connectivity that, in part, cause the wide range of symptoms seen in depression. Liston and his collaborator collected 1,118 of these scans, 458 of which were people with diagnosed depression. Note, this is a huge sample size for a brain scan study. The fMRIs can cost $500 an hour to operate, so lately more labs have been pooling their data into large-scale projects. Liston and his team asked the computer if it could, first, distinguish the brain pattern of people who were depressed and those who were not. It did this correctly 84% of the time. The program then dug deeper, looking only at the patients with depression. Again, the computer examined the same question. Are there patterns of brain activity that distinguish the depressed patient? The four subtypes differed with respect to how a particular brain region called the dorsal medial prefrontal cortex, believed to play a role in self-referential thinking, is connected to other areas of the brain. And the four subtypes differed in how patients experienced two depression symptoms, anxiety and anhedonia, lack of pleasure. One subtype was anhedonic and anxious, another was mostly just anhedonic, another was mostly just anxious, Liston says. Even bigger sample sizes might yield even more depression subtypes, or more strongly define the lines among the ones they've already identified. And more than one network of brain regions is believed to be useful in distinguishing depressions. But what's promising is that Liston and his team ran the predictions made from one group of participants in a replication in a completely new group. The same pattern of four subtypes held up. It's more evidence that depression isn't one thing. And that insight may change the way it's treated. With depression, it's important to get treatment right the first time. When a treatment fails, it's demoralizing to someone who is already depressed, says W. Edward Craighead, a psychologist at Emory University. It adds fuel to the cycle of negative thought that makes the disease so unbearable. Recently, Craighead, along with Emory's Helen Mayberg and colleagues, published results of an experiment that suggests they can do better for their patients. In their study, 122 depression patients were randomly assigned to either undergo cognitive behavioral therapy or take medication, either an SSRI or an SNRI, two of the most common drug treatments for depression. The patients were tracked over the course of 12 weeks and were carefully monitored for improvements. As in Liston's study, Mayberg and Craighead ran resting state fMRI scans on all the study participants before they started treatment. After 12 weeks, and collecting data on who got better, they asked the computer whether there was any pattern of brain activity that can predict who gets better on drugs and who gets better on CBT. The type of brain that responds to psychotherapy is where there's a strong pattern of connectivity between the frontal areas of the brain, which are involved more in thinking, talking, and problem-solving, etc., with other portions of the brain, Craighead explains. Whereas people who have low connectivity, the opposite pattern, 
respond to the medication. Mayberg explains it like this. If the brain connections are preserved, that network is available for talk therapy. Drugs, on the other hand, seem to strengthen those connections. Note, the patterns of connectivity identified in this study are not the same as those identified in the Liston study. Again, scientists believe there are many overlapping biomarkers of depression. In all, around 74% of the patients whose brain types match their treatments got better. For those where there was a mismatch, treatment failed 85.5% of the time. Around 30% of total participants in the study didn't have a clear remission or worsening of their symptoms. Russell Poldrack, a psychologist at Stanford not involved in the study, cautions that these results may not be generalizable to a larger population. Because the prediction analysis was conducted after the data collection was finished, that's bound to give one an inflated estimate of...